Hello, everyone, and welcome to Molly Movie Club, the only movie club called Molly Movie Club in the entire world. As far as we know. Yeah, there might be another one. Somewhere. Yeah. Today on Molly Movie Club, well, I guess I should introduce myself. <laughs> I'm Casey Miratori. I'm Anna Retberg. And this is our Mulholland Drive podcast, which I'd actually been looking forward to because I've seen this movie once before. Mm-hmm. And... This is not the kind of movie that you probably only watch once because it's fairly complicated and also very surreal and bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's considered one of David Lynch's better movies. Mm -hmm. I think some people consider his best movie. Not every, it's not universally that Mm -hmm. that way, Mm -hmm. but you know. And I was really interested to see it again, especially because I felt like when I saw it, I wasn't necessarily that into movies. So I also wasn't, like, thinking super hard about it either. I felt like I enjoyed it this time probably more than I did last time. Okay. And uh, I guess since this is the second time I've seen it, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I had never seen this before. I actually hadn't seen a lot of David Lynch stuff. I've seen Blue Velvet and a few episodes of Twin Peaks. Ah, well, and, you know, like, his uh, his social media stuff where he, yes. like, says what the the weather is and the date and all that. Um, well, you also saw What Did Jack Do? And yes. But and unlike me, you didn't love it. I, I didn't love it. I no. loved it. <laughs> um, I loved it. No, but I, I really liked this movie. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I really liked it. I feel like it's a little bit hard. On a first viewing, it feels like... It's a little hard to even know what to think in some ways. Yeah. You're like, I need to process this. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it's like, it's very, very surreal. But in this really satisfying way. Because yeah. to me, it really felt like it was doing something really interesting with the medium of film. Okay. Which is really playing with the viewer's perception of reality. Yes. To the point where you feel, it, like, it felt like a deliberate sort of choice to or an attempt to make the viewer feel as disoriented as possible in this really interesting way um yes and that was really satisfying it was really satisfying to feel myself being like intentionally sort of manipulated by david lynch yes. to, to feel like i had gone crazy or something okay, okay, <laughs> right okay, or not okay. gone crazy yeah, yeah, but yeah. what is perception like what is reality right like it was very satisfying to me to have that like unraveling kind of happen because it starts out creepy and but straightforward. It feels like fairly straightforward, and then it yes. it like the vignettedness of it, where it's like you're hopping around to all these different mini kind of yes. sequences. Um, they're all really good. Like the the scene in the diner where the guy describes yes what happens. That whole scene is it could have been a short film or something, just all self contained on its yes. own, and it's so good. Um, and you have all like tons of that throughout the movie, and then he sort of finds a way to tie them all together, even though they're not connected really, but by playing with your perception, kind of, right? He kind of gives you this feeling as though it's all connected somehow, but you're really unsure how they're connected. Yes. I, I think that that is the sort of vignette structure of the movie is... You know, you know, I had heard and then double checked for this before this podcast mm-hmm. that this was made as a TV show that didn't get like picked up. Mm-hmm. It didn't get greenlit, okay. basically. And then they made it into a movie. Well, they, David Lynch made it into a movie. And uh, what's really interesting about that 
is you can kind of see that once you're told. Yeah. You can see that. It's like, oh, all of these things might have been actual storylines. Like, these would be actual characters in the show <laughs> who would show up multiple times and these plots would progress. And then in this, they don't, really. They have to kind of come together yes. very quickly. Yeah, right? yeah. And I feel like it's almost like that that accident was really a, you know, he, he David Lynch basically, like, probably this is this is the mark of someone who is very creative mm-hmm. capitalized on an accident yeah that no one would have started by writing that yeah but because he did then he had to make it into a movie he was like oh this is really an interesting thing i could do that people don't do right right like mm-hmm. you don't normally have this close thing i can think of is tampopo um yeah i think tampopo is much more like literal in the way it scenes connect yes. whereas this one they're not really connected a lot of the time in any really plot-driven way. Yes. Whereas, yeah, Tampopo is like, it flows from one thing to the next, but they're all actually connected. in more Right. In Tampopo, yeah. the ideas are connected, but also the physical space is connected. Yes, yes, yeah. It, it takes you from one to the other, even though there's no reason for you to, right. for example, if you haven't seen Tampopo, you should really see it. Maybe we'll watch some time. Probably, Sorry, yeah. sorry to movie clipper sense you, but it takes you physically from space to space even though those spaces are unrelated Mm -hmm. in this we just jump from space to space sometimes sometimes there's Mm -hmm. an explanation of why we're seeing Mm -hmm. you know this or not but the connection of things is only happening in sort of your interpretation of what things might mean or why they were in the film but they're not actually happening on the screen per se yeah Yeah. no totally it's it's a movie that i think one of the reasons i liked it so much was it really asks a lot of you, the viewer, yes. it's like it's pretty clear to me that David Lynch doesn't want you to think anything in particular. He just wants you to think. Yeah, I I have heard certain interpretations of the movie and I they, I don't actually believe them. I think I think I think <laughs> so honestly, I kind of agree with you. I think trying to to say there's any one solid true interpretation of this movie is like missing the point. Yes, yeah. Um I think the point is to is to kind of think about your perception, right? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of about perceiving, which may be why, because I think you said John Blow really likes this. And, yes, he and does. And I can see why. Yes. Um, it did seem like a bit of a creative outlet for David Lynch to express some of his frustrations with Hollywood, too. Yes. So it's doing, it's like doing that in a pretty satisfying way as well. Funny you should bring that up, because actually... This time watching the movie, I I myself did not have any particular interpretation of the film when I watched it the first mm-hmm. time. After watching it the first time, uh, I think someone asked me, and I was like, I, I don't really know what mm-hmm. happened. And then they, they said the sort of pat explanation of the film that uh, I think is sort of the, the going consensus or something, which is that, you know, the... Naomi Watts's character, it's the first half of the movie is just like sort of what's taking place in, in her imagination. In her imagination yeah. after shooting herself or, or before shooting herself or however you want to look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the justification for that is that, you know, she's sort of a failed actress and is imagining how things could have gone instead of how they did go. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's sort of a fantasy mm-hmm. for her. And, you know, I I didn't know what to think at the time. I was like, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. 
Watching it now, I totally disagree with that. I don't even think that has any legs to stand on personally, because if you look at the way the beginning of the movie works, it's very clear that she's not even really the main character. She's just a character. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't really make any sense as to why she was imagining all these other detailed stories for other people and why she would be the one who disappears at various times and the agency seems to be with other people. It just It's like, it, it's a very weak interpretation, in my opinion. I, I think, I don't it's, think, I think it, it's, 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 it's people trying to, yeah. people want to have a solid answer to, to some yes. of these things. And I think you're not going to get it from this movie. Don't look for it in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's It's kind of better if you... Don't, I think? For me, I found watching it this time that I, I was fairly comfortable with... So the way that it felt like to me this time, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. was... So the first time I watched it, I remember... Like, like looking back on it, up until we watched it, I, I had forgotten a lot of aspects of the movie. Yeah. But one thing I remembered super well, and it's my favorite scene in this film. Okay. It's so good. Mm-hmm is the scene where they, the sort of, uh, you might call it the climax of the film. Okay. Maybe. I don't know how you want to describe it. A film like this doesn't have that kind of a... It's not that structure, um, yeah. You know, clearly delineated thing, but it's, it's to me, it sort of is the, the like, linchpin anyway. <laughs> linchpin. Oh, damn, son. Well done. Is there's this scene where she's like, we've got to go to this club. Silencio. Right? And they watch this performance. Yes. And it was the only scene I felt like I understood (laughs) in the first time I watched the movie. Okay. Because it's so brilliant, right? It's like this guy is telling you that everything that you hear is fake. Yeah. And he tells you this multiple times and demonstrates to you it multiple times, but every time you then feel afterwards that the thing is really happening. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when the person comes out and plays the trumpet, he's told you it's only a tape, but you're like, oh, there's a guy playing yeah, a trumpet. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy stops playing a trumpet. And then he's, he like goes away, he disappears into a puff of smoke, and a woman comes out singing, and you think she's singing, but she's not singing, yeah. right? It's a tape, just like he told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that scene I loved. Yeah. Because it's just so, uh, it's such a good kind of like, illustration of artifice and magic and yeah, yeah. like just and perception ha- and perception and it was just it's just freaking brilliant i mean yeah. it really is yeah. and so i didn't remember much about the movie but i remembered that and i remember that film that that scene stuck with me um and it was the only scene i really liked the first time okay interesting so the second time i watched it though mm-hmm. having that having stuck in my head yeah uh the whole movie made so much more sense to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because coming at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. everything in the movie felt that way. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, if you start to think about the rest of the movie as like, look, there's what we're telling you is happening, and then there's what's actually happening, mm-hmm. which is not that, and it's not nearly as cool as that. Mm-hmm. Like, this woman isn't a great singer, there's just a recording of a great singer and she's lip syncing to it. Yes. Yeah. That's like the whole film is that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so to me, it just kind of became this great metaphor or this great sort of like this great illustration 
of the concept of movies in general. Yes. There's a director and the director is like making things happen and it's ugly and the characters are messy and they like, you know, they have falling outs and they're not glamorous. Well, and not only that, right? there's like the mafia essentially is like trying to control like what actress gets to like there's there's like interference from no, the opposite of the okay so sorry i'm explaining this poorly oh okay i'm sorry so i was trying to say the opposite of that that's in the part of the movie that's what's playing on the tape there's a guy behind the glass making these decisions and the mafia said to do this thing i see i see no like none of that that is like this kind of like fancy way we dress up the actual fact that these people are like drug addicts and just kind of like sleeping with each other and no one cares and like so to me the two halves of the movie are kind of like what's actually happening behind a movie versus the first part is what the glamorized version of what's happening behind a movie or or the glamorized version of things yeah i mean I do think so. The the movie is in big part about the romanticization of Hollywood. Yeah, and Betty is like the perfect sort of example yes. of that, right? She's so like pure. Yeah, and kind of innocent. And yeah, it's like that sort of like the cartoonish sort of idea of like yeah the 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 guys in suits kind of controlling uh, who what gets made and deciding what actresses yeah, yeah, you know yeah, you yeah, put yeah. in the part or whatever is sort of like. It's sort of what everybody always talks about as as what Hollywood is like, kind of. Um, it's also interesting because, like, I think this is also though where I I I think the movie is a little less interesting to try to dig into. So much is the is the like what it's saying about Hollywood kind of thing because I think yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. a lot less important. Like, because you could, see, I mean, even visually, it's like, oh, you know, Naomi Watts is you know, very light and blonde, and then yeah, the yeah, other yeah. actress is very, like, dark hair. It's, like, good and evil or, you know, the temptation that being drawn towards sort of, like, the darker aspects of the industry, right, in her friendship or her developing relationship right. with this character. And um, I just feel like that's—I don't think that's, like, the movie really cares all that much about that, to be honest. Well, that's why I say— yeah. so. Again, just to be clear, I probably explain this poorly. Saying. Okay. Because again, it's a. I agree with you. Meaning, I don't feel like this is a movie where I would logically go through and say, "Here are all the things that happened" or whatever. I'm just telling you more about the, my perception of the film and what was happening in the okay, scenes. Okay. Okay. I'm not suggesting it's about Hollywood. Right. Right. It's. I'm saying the setting is Hollywood. Yeah. And the thing it's showing you is that even after you are told. What's really happening, like, in a thing, mm-hmm. which in this case is making a movie or, mm-hmm. like, Hollywood, a thing that makes artifice, mm-hmm. that's what they do. Yeah. Right? Even after you are told or you are shown, it doesn't matter because you still just go on believing whatever the thing is on the screen. Right, 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 right. yes. So it's, like, scene after scene after scene, it's that, and the whole movie is that, meaning from in the first half to the second half, yeah, yeah. it's exactly that. It's I like, th- even yeah. if I show you what's actually happening, that's not what's actually happening because I made that to show you, I right? And it just keeps going in that direction. I that think that's also right? why it's so satisfying yes. when it snaps, basically, and yeah. and your perception, like everything you thought was happening and what the movie you yeah. thought you were watching completely disappears. Yeah. And is completely like restructured into another thing 
And it's just so satisfying and weird. And like, it's, uh, it's kind of brilliant. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. Okay. I mean, okay. unsurprisingly, yeah. David Lynch is, is, has got to be one of the most creative people who has ever made movies, I think. Yeah, I mean, I assume that's why he doesn't really make movies anymore. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Too creative. Um, but I feel like, yeah, it's like... He used to make uncreative movies when he had to. Yeah. Like The Straight Story is a story about a guy who just rides a lawnmower. It's a, it's a true story for Disney. But oh a guy r- rode a lawnmower to see his brother. Oh, my a, God. A rider mower, right? So he, yeah, he yeah. has made <laughs> straightforward, pun intended, But movies. I just, I feel like he's doing something really rare, which is using film to like mess with your head yeah because usually people are trying to when people make movies they're trying to be really intentional about everything so that you understand exactly what's going on right yeah and in this movie he's being really intentional to make sure that at no times you understand what's going on and it would have been fairly easy for him to do so right like at any time this it's as surreal as this movie is Mm -hmm. It's way more coherent, yes. say, than like a Alex Kurtzman script. Well, that's, yeah. It's, so it's like yeah, yeah. the mysteries and stuff that it set up are actually very traditional and straightforward. Yes. He could have made them tie together fairly easily. It's yeah, not, this movie is not purely abstract no. by any stretch of the imagination. It is not, and it's not purely surreal. And there's no like crazy mysteries that no one could possibly have explained, mm-hmm. right? But I think I think the movie basically is like, Look, the questions you're asking, the questions you have yeah. are not the important questions. Yes. And it flips it like it just totally pushes those aside and forces you to confront the movie in a totally different way than you have been, right? Yes. Um and as as, as you say, I think that the scene you're talking about in Silencio is like telling you exactly that, right? Yes, it's, it's telling literally you, showing you. Like and that's it's it's also the the when that happens, right? Is after that scene is when the movie flips on you. What I love so much about that Silencio scene too is that again it's it's telling you I'm lying about this. Yeah. Right? And it shows you multiple times that no matter how many times someone tells you mm-hmm. like and again this is why I say like to me it's like such a good example of like what movies are at all. Yes. Yeah. It's like no matter how many times someone tells you this is a lie and this is an actress and that's not really what's happening mm-hmm. you still just buy it. Immediately afterwards. And the same is true of this film. You watch that whole scene, which you've been fooled multiple times. And then they basically just keep on showing you scenes. And those scenes are ostensibly now what really happened. Because, you know, when they open the blue box, it's kind of like, oh, do you want to see what's happening behind the curtain? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll show you. But we're not actually showing you because that's all a lie, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, we made all of that up and we're showing you all of that just like we showed you the trumpet player. But it's not real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, to me, like, the reason that I feel safe in saying that I don't really buy the other interpretation and that I'm happier with mine or just whatever you want to take away from yeah, that think, perception thing. Yeah, I think it's it's um, about the experience of watching the movie. Yes. It is not about trying to find a particular interpretation of the events yes. of the movie that makes sense. The creepy guy who's like behind the the wall is mm-hmm. in the opening, mm-hmm. well not really opening, but that close to the opening yeah, yeah. diner, the early on diner vignette. Um, with those two guys who never show up again, except just just at the very end. At the very end, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, 
again, to me, like that's a very that's such a clear signal to me anyway, that it's not about the other that that sort of other interpretation, because the creepy guy has the blue box at the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's telling you, like, at least to me, it's saying, no, like, I'm not really I'm still not really showing you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's in the box. There's like a creepy guy. And, like, I think of that creepy guy as like the director. That's like David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And like that's the real David Lynch, and the guy with like the the director with the like black hair, like like the and the director glasses. Yeah, that looks a lot like David Lynch actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is just his lie about who he is twice to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I felt like I really enjoyed yeah, all of that. I know. I think th- I love that. It's like David Lynch is really the creepy guy behind the garbage can, like to in, me that's, behind the diner. To me, it yeah. felt so clear. I was like, yeah. oh, and he's trying to tell me I still have this blue box. Because yeah. remember, at the end, it just falls down and it's still closed. Yeah. in a plastic bag. It's like, yeah, he's just telling me it's like, no, no, no. Like I made this thing, and no matter what you think, you'll never really see how I made it or why. Like, like you're going to see first a complete line of horseshit. Yeah. And then a slightly less line of horseshit, but they're both horseshit, yeah. right, for me, that I made to make you think something. Yeah, yeah. But it's not true because the truth only I know, right, in yeah. a way. Yeah. It, that's what it felt like to me. No, I think you're, I, I think you 100% right. I think you've nailed it. And it's also funny because as far as I know, I mean, so before doing this podcast, like, I was very careful. I don't like to look up anything about what other people have said before we do our chat. So it's like exactly yeah. there entirely, might be other theories. Well, out I'm just there, saying it's entirely my yeah. idea, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. my idea is the things I'm saying. I'm I'm try I I'm obviously going to be saying things that other people have said, but my goal is not to just read something and then it's like gets in my head yeah, and that's what yeah. I think. Um, but I am pretty sure that David Lynch hasn't said anything explicitly about what this movie is supposed to be about. Yeah, he very much wants people to. Just think about the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. And uh, and he doesn't want there to be any solid answer. And uh, I think the best the best interpretation is that there's no interpretation, and that the the real experience of the movie. Is, I mean, I is guess the experience of the movie. Is the experience yeah. of the movie, and maybe the only true true interpretation is that movies are an illusion, and this movie is trying to to kind of communicate that, right? Like the fact yes. that you are experiencing. You know, images on a screen performed by actors yes. set to music yes. um, that is all designed to make you feel and think certain things. Yes. But those things are not real and and can be easy and, and you can be easily sort of manipulated by them. Even when you know. Even and when you know. And I think yeah. that's what's so brilliant about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of why I think like interpreting the, you know. Like interpreting more intricately than that, yeah, to it, me, yeah. is not profitable because it's, it's not like the point. It's all like, the other yeah. scenes are are what they are, right? And and you know the scene, like I don't think there's a deeper interpretation to the guy going into the office mm-hmm. the to steal the the black book, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And having that like kind of comedic series of mishaps <laughs> when he's trying scene. to assassinate yeah. that guy or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. it's like. No, I think that's just like, you know, it's just David Lynch wrote this thing that was a TV pilot. And those were going to be plot lines. Mm -hmm. And then when he came back and looked at it, Mm -hmm. right, he was like, oh, like, this is all just kind of like artificial things I was doing. And like, 
they're there to make this effect and like all this stuff is like what if the movie's just about that concept yeah, yeah. right that concept it's, of it's the a, sleight of hand tricks and how can I get that across it's and like it, about you know? Hollywood and movies but not in the way that people try to make it about movies yeah. in Hollywood like yeah. it has all the artifice like the superficial stuff yeah. that are about movies in Hollywood yeah um and it gives you like the things I was mentioning earlier like how Betty is so innocent and pure and she comes in and you know and like the she's corrupted or whatever like that's not what he's actually saying about movies in Hollywood that's just like I think that that's like a level that's too surface kind of a level like that's just what to me like all that stuff right it's mm -hmm. like what the magician wants you to think is happening yes it's like that's what I'm saying it's like the surface level interpretation of the movie but it's not what the movie is actually doing trying to talk about yes and i think so yeah i I mean i don't really have much more to say honestly because i I think that's what i just said my interpretation was was what my interpretation was this time around it felt very natural to me thinking about it that way yeah well and and, and so i actually and i kind of totally agreed with you this is my first time seeing the movie and it feels like we're pretty much on the same page with what our experience was with it yeah and i think that like a lot of the things that are you know, weird or something in the movie don't feel weird when you're thinking about it in terms of that scene in in the theater mm-hmm. where they're showing you these things and telling you, like, this is not true. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's like... Um, I lo- and then you're falling for yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, and all of the little sort of weird part, Like, you know, there's this sort of... Um, there's those uh, two, the old Yeah, I was just thinking couple. about that. The old couple from the beginning. Like, he recontextualizes yeah. things, so he takes things that he showed you before, yeah. and he shows you them again. Well, so to me, again, it all kind of, like, feels natural, right? Like Yes, it's, it, it yeah. doesn't just feel like David Lynch is being surreal and wacky just to be surreal and wacky. Yeah, because, like, those, like that old lady and the guy, mm-hmm. they, you know... Are they are also sort of like different versions of themselves in exactly that same way? You know, when mm-hmm. they first get there, I assume they are basically like they're sort of being portrayed as like these people who are interested, you know, excited to see LA or whatever, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, I, I don't really know. I, I don't remember exactly what they said. But then at the end, they're kind of like, it, to, to me, it was almost like these. This this is the audience. These are the people who like become a like really into Hollywood as if it's something more than it is. Mm. They're the people who like totally bought the trick, and when mm. they're coming into her apartment and like terrorizing her, it's kind of like that feeling of like these are the this is the the bad part of the audience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there are these people who are like obsessed with stars and Hollywood and all these sorts of things. And like having them kind of be the thing that finally at the movie kind of ends it, you know what I mean? For 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 that plot line made reasonable sense to me in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they would be that they would be involved at the end actually felt normal to me instead of weird. Mm-hmm. If that well, makes sense. I, I, uh, I don't know if I interpret it in exactly the same way. I'm not sure fine. I'm really interpreting it. Sure, I just well, kind of mean the feeling you get yeah, yeah, from yeah. them. I think for, you know? for me, the reason it was satisfying to have them in the end was what I was saying before, kind of, where 
that sort of second part of the movie after Silencio where yeah. everything is recontextualized. So the actresses are now different people. Every, like everybody's Everyone's playing a different, person, a different yeah. part. Everyone's playing a different part yeah. is a different person. And everything gets reused. Everything, right, basically. Right. And so those even those two old people from the beginning are now recontextualized in a totally different way at the end of the movie. And it's like, to me, that was sort of the fun of it, too, where it's like, we're just, we're just, it's about perception again, right? Where it's like, we are going to just completely throw everything out the window and use these things that we had to create a totally different feeling and experience. Well, and it bookends it nicely because, like, her arrival yeah. and her exit mm-hmm. to Hollywood, even as two different characters, occurs with the same people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She shoots herself while they are terrorizing her. That's, like, the end. Right, and right. And when she arrives, arrives with them on the plane. And with them right? supporting her and, and yes, encouraging yes. her and, like, and being we'll like, see you like, on the big we'll screen or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It, it all felt pretty That's good. That's what I'm saying. It's, it feels so satisfying, yeah. even though I think it's hard to make a lot of, like, concrete sense of it. That's why it's so satisfying. It's like it's also, everything gets reused in this way that, like, feels like it's full circle somehow, even though it's literally not. <laughs> it's also kind of, like, very satisfying the the way that that was shown, you know, them being these little, like, trying to put into words some of those things. The old lady and the guy come from the box. Yeah. The closed box. Yeah. They come out of the same bag. They don't come out of the box. The box is not open, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's just yeah. in the bag closed. They come out of that same bag. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. They're coming out of sort of the whole thing of movies like that bag which the box is closed so you can't see how what actually you know what's actually happening but they're coming out of it right and them like sort of just that pervasive like the audience trying to mm, pervade mm, in mm. and get at right yep yeah uh, yeah and going under the door and her it being portrayed yeah. as like the mental state of this person is breaking down and also, literally, the audience, the fans, or whatever they are, they're the. I mean, it's literally. It's like the people invading their home. It's, it's and, us. Yeah. It's the people yes. like seeking the meaning yes. and looking for the answers. And they and, won't stop. Yeah. And then the person just shoots themselves in the head. It's all yeah. again very yeah. like. <laughs> it's like very very clean in a yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, for it, as messy as it tries to be, it's not actually that messy. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, so it's very nice. So I feel like I feel like we've sort of talked about that aspect of the movie as much as we probably can without repeating ourselves too much. So I thought I might move on to a few other things. Sure. Uh, one would just be the visuals. It's a fantastically well shot movie. It um, looks a lot better than I was expecting. I don't know like I didn't remember much yeah. about it, but yeah, like the I, I would say that some of the attention to detail was surprising to me, especially because it was a TV show uh, yeah, I or, mean, or was supposed to be a TV show and, in a lot of places. Also, just visually, really like really interesting uh, compositions and and color. Uh, there was a the, shot where uh, Rita is walking down the street with and the I palm was trees. Like, yeah, it was just oh gorgeous. I had I, that same shot. So much color that was, like the, was that was the shot I was thinking of. It was remarkable. Just like, Damn. Um, yeah, yeah. And even just the you know at, toward the beginning, there's the car accident and he's got it framed on the far right of the screen in this, like, really interesting kind of pleasing way. And I, it's just really, throughout, like, 
the he's just visually really well done. Um, I thought it looked really really good, really he, well shot. He does some interesting things too with acting. Like, so yeah. there's a lot of places in this movie where you can tell that there was. Uh, I mean, I assume very heavy handed. I would say things. I would say Naomi Watts's performance in particular. I felt that because. Her performance as Betty feels like almost like a bad actress. Right. But then when she goes and performs those scenes, yeah, yeah. And you're, it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really good. Yeah, yeah. And and it's kind of interesting because it's and like... And also in the second half. In the second half, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's almost just like, yeah, that Betty character is so fake and artificial yeah. that she has to act, you know, like he's directing her to act artificial well and the, he some of the directing for like when people are having conversations feels directed to feel unsettling like people mm-hmm. are not talking normally yeah right mm-hmm. i mean like this the you know the cowboy, the cowboy yeah. or the conversation in the diner the diner yep, yep. Uh, a lot of that is directed to have inappropriate pauses uh weird facial expressions that kind of come out of nowhere to just Make you feel, especially that diner scene was a great example mm-hmm. of that because it's clearly shot to unsettle you. Yes. And it does because it really shouldn't. Like, it's not really a very unsettling yes. scene, but to get you ready to see the like creepy director guy mm-hmm. come out from behind the thing, yeah. in order to see that, you have to be primed to be scared. I, and they yep. do a great job with the story, the content of the story, and how it's said. Yeah, I think especially after watching, you know, Hitchcock and stuff, I feel like David Lynch actually really seems like the master of suspense and the slow build up and and it's and very really well like he he knows exactly what he wants the audience to be feeling at any given time. He seems so good at controlling where you are mentally. And I I feel like like there's a there's a shot in this movie where like a phone rings and it like Dolly's in on it, and it like feels like a Hitchcock shot. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Right. Like there's, I think there's Hitchcock in this movie. There's also, I, I, I don't I, think that's fair though, because like uh, Hitchcock's shot of a phone would would have sucked. No, no, no. I, so it's like there's yeah, not yeah, no, no, Hitchcock. No. It's David Lynch. No, no, it's David knowing Lynch, the right way to no, shoot. No, no, a phone. totally. I just feel like I can feel, I can feel the sort of the effects, not even not like intentional effects, but the effects of previous filmmakers. I could feel the Kubrick with the um, sound design. Mm. Uh, you know, I felt like, so interestingly, I don't know if you saw, but David Lynch in the credits, who's credited as like the sound designer, like he, and he wrote a number of the, the music, the, mu- like, he, the music was really two or three things, ob- yeah. obviously like intentional. Uh, I mean, obviously, but, um, he seemed like, it seemed like he played a very large role in, in the music. And I think the music was really effective. I do too. Um, throughout the whole movie, the sound design yeah. in general. And uh, that made me think a little bit of Kubrick, because uh, we had talked about that with The Shining and stuff earlier, where like the use of music is really important for controlling, like yes. your, especially with s- suspense and building up yes. that tension. And this movie uh, does that really, really well. Yes. Um, but I feel like it, I do think watching this movie after Vertigo is really interesting because we talked about this with Vertigo last week, but like. That level of surrealness is something that Vertigo would have like really benefited from. That, that and it desperately wants like it has that ridiculous dream sequence, mm-hmm. and it's just like it just is so clear to me that Hitchcock has no idea how to do intangible things. Yeah, and I think I said literally on that podcast, I literally said 
if there was ever a film that needed David Lynch, it's this yeah, one. Yeah, you did, and you were totally right. And I feel like, you know, very vindicated but for that comment I this time because it's like, yes, yeah. if David Lynch could have gone back and done Vertigo or just been a consultant on Vertigo mm-hmm. for some ideas, <laughs> I think that would have been a huge but benefit. I do, I do think, you know, I do think that there is Hitchcock influence in David Lynch's filmmaking. I do think that's probably true, but I mean... All right. <laughs> because I think... I, I mean, I don't know. He's probably said who his filmmakers are. Maybe he know. said, oh, I love Alfred Hitchcock. I, I don't mean, know. I he might but... not love Alfred Hitchcock, but I do think the things... Like, the things in Vertigo, the ideas in Vertigo that fell flat but were interesting, it's sort of like David Lynch was able to... It's not like Vertigo is the same. They're very different. but um, And they're about very different kind of things. Although I feel like Vertigo does mess a little bit with your... Or wants to kind of play with your perception. Um, it does. Maybe I'm I'm giving Hitchcock too much credit, but um. I don't know. Like I said, maybe David Lynch has said something or other about that. I don't know. What I would say is that, like, if you wanted to tell me that you you know that David Lynch thought The Shining was really great and you know was trying to do stuff like that, I'd be like, okay, maybe. I mean, I just. Think but if the... you want to tell me he's trying to do something from Hitchcock, I'm like, which Hitchcock film? Well, no, no, and, no. I, and I think in comparing Vertigo to like the building up of tension, the thing we talked about that failed in Vertigo, in our opinion, uh, you know, which was like the early scenes where he's just following her around and stalking her, essentially. There's like no tension there. There's no suspense. It's very boring. Um, whereas this movie does an amazing job building up su- su- tension and suspense for scenes that aren't like you talked about the diner scene. Like that doesn't even there's nothing inherently creepy about that. Right. It's that like he has done a really good job of making a scene feel that way, even though it's in a brightly lit diner. Like there's nothing with just the superficial visuals and whatever of that that is creepy. There's nothing creepy about it. And the it's in broad daylight. Yeah. There's two people. So the person's not even alone. And it's a busy diner. There's a there's people in it. There's and a waitress. They it's... both go out back together, right? And yet all of those things, which normally you wouldn't do because you want it to be dark and you want it to be yeah. all, a person's all alone and like all the mm-hmm. things you would normally do to make something scary, he doesn't even bother. He's like, nah, I don't need that. He still creeps you yes. all the way out. That's what I'm saying. He's right? so good at at, um, at manipulating your your emotions and just your with perception. what's said, and then like yeah. the pacing and, and I the think, sound cues, I think that's the music why cues. It's just it's all expert placement. It's, it, I think it's just ex, yeah expertly done because it's like especially considering that that's sort of at least what we think are what the movie is sort of about is that movies control your perception of things. Yes, and. Throughout the movie, that's just he's just doing that in so many yeah. different ways in so many different scenes. And, and even in that scene, the person says, like, you know, I hope I never see that face, right? Like, I hope I never see like the thing that's behind it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, because, I love that. Like, I, think... I want to. I want it to keep being the artifice, right? I don't want to see the thing behind it yeah. or whatever. Right? Yeah. But I the... love. I I do. For any sort of like solid interpretation of this movie, I do love that the the creepy man behind the trash can in the diner is uh is David Lynch. Well, he says it. The guy literally says yeah. he's the one controlling everything. Yeah, like, he's the no, one no, doing it. I, he says the word. He's the one doing yeah, it. Right. This yeah. movie to me, yeah. almost like I said, it it's it's just so great because it it's almost so 
it almost over explains. It almost like literally is just telling you. Mm -hmm. But part of the trick is that you don't see that it. You don't doesn't matter. It. Yeah. Right. That's what that silencio scene is there mm -hmm. for. It's like telling us like, look, it doesn't matter if I freaking tell you, you just you believe and you feel what you see. Yeah. Right. And your brain puts those two things together, and that is the effect it will have on you. Yeah. And I can tell you a thousand times yeah. Yeah. that it is not that, and it doesn't matter. And it's just such a great sleight of hand. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's also— I just love it. It's it, very good. It's also kind of interesting in some ways when you think about—one of the things we complain about a lot with modern movies is that they just tell you stuff, but yeah. they don't make you feel it. Yeah. And I think—while I don't think this movie is really commenting on that so much, I do think— it's highlighting why why the experience of the movie is so important because yes. people characters in the movie can literally say something yes. and tell you something, but you don't feel that. Correct. You feel correct, what the movie Absolutely. Is, is making you feel based on all those other experiential things. You know, I had not considered that at all, but that is so true. Like this movie is sort of uh, if you want to take it the way I was suggesting, is sort of like a documentary proof to you mm -hmm. of why you, why exposition doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like I can tell you something, but that is not what you will come away with. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it just shows you that over and over mm -hmm. and over again. Like you're gonna take from this scene how it felt, whether I told you it was completely false or not. Mm -hmm. And you know that is the opposite. Mm -hmm is true of things as well. You can tell me it means this thing, Yep. but if actually the, all the content of the movie doesn't actually feel that way, doesn't yeah. add up to that, it's just mm -hmm. content you turn to crank yeah, yeah. and you you know, you you know shout out the latest Spider-Man or yeah, whatever, yeah. and you told me the theme was this, and you told me that this was what's happening, if they, if they don't mesh, that's not what I feel. That's yeah. not what actually I experience, yeah. right? No, and I think I think that's like that's why this movie is so brilliant is because it's saying something actually really interesting. Yeah. And that's why I think I think the the desire that people have to come up with a solution to some sort of like literal mystery in the plot is so missing the point that I'm not even sure why you would try. Cause, but it seems like people want to well, try. Well, because it doesn't really seem like a movie where David Lynch was trying to do that, right? No, like, but it I, doesn't but, but seem people, like anyone I, was trying yeah. to make a, like, clear, concise series of, you know, events you're supposed to mm -hmm. connect the yeah. dots, right? Yeah. I mean, and I, th I think maybe this movie could be really unsatisfying if that's, like, what you were wanting to do with it. I don't know. But I loved it, and... I think I would I would definitely revisit it in the future. It's the kind of movie that you could get a lot out of watching it again and again. I benefited greatly from a second yeah. viewing because it it once you so uh, it probably depends on who you are mm -hmm. because for me the movie felt most natural revolving around that scene mm -hmm. where they explained to you that you know it's just a tape. You have to have seen that first. Like contextualizing the diner scene for me was impossible. Mm -hmm. I, I would no idea what that yeah, meant yeah, the first yeah. time. But once I saw the scene with the band, now going back, no, seeing a second true. time, yep. watching it through that way, like, oh, now it makes sense to me. And not in the literal sense, but in the, you know, it feels coherent, right? No, absolutely. Because I think, um, I think, like, since this was my first time seeing it, I think when you kind of talked about that scene, it was like, it helped me put into words, like, there's yeah. a, you come out of this movie with feelings yes. more than thoughts. Yes, 
And so I think, yeah, like you bringing up that scene and sort of talking about it again, it does give you like this really concise sort of um, way to talk about your experience of watching the movie. Yes. Um, because it's it's such an experience, right? Yes. But that's what's so special about it. I mean, having that kind of experience with a movie is so rare. And I loved it. It was great. Can we talk about Coco? <laughs> sure. <laughs> she is such a crack up. <laughs> I feel like there were, <laughs> I think there were a lot of characters there in this were. movie. That were fantastic. There was a lot of really funny moments. That's true. It's um, it's a it's a very silly movie at times mm-hmm. for being otherwise fairly serious feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And at, at times extremely uh, creepy. Like mm-hmm. the um, when they go into that apartment and find the dead body. Yeah. Uh, it's border. It's like horror almost. It's it's so the dead body and, is like very decayed and oh, it's creepy, really like yeah. well done in a horrifying way. You, this movie, you come away from it, almost feels like a dream. Um, yeah, yeah. Like a hallucination or something. Uh, on the on the uh, funny side, the the espresso <laughs> yeah. is another great yeah. example of that sort of, it's the same thing as we were talking about with the diner scene where it's like, I almost want to say these are the kinds of things that would be very hard to do if you're like not a writer-director. Yeah. In a way. Because it'd be hard to see why that was going to be funny Mm -hmm. if you didn't have the whole thing in your head, Mm -hmm. like the picture of how Mm -hmm. it's all going to work, you know? Yeah. Um, And the same is true of the diner scene, right? Like, if you're not a writer-director and you don't have, like, David Lynch probably had the whole kind of imagining sort of like what that was going to feel like and how it was going to work. You're probably like, this scene's not going to work when you're just writing it down, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're somebody who knows your whole shtick, you, like, know your whole thing and how you direct things and what they're going to look like and how you're going to pull it off, Mm -hmm. it probably gives you this freedom to do those kinds of scenes that if you're a separate writer or director, it'd be really hard to do because, I mean, writing the screenplay, you've got to guess that the director can pull off something that crazy, Oh, and you yeah, don't even know who the director this, is half the time, right? This could never um, have happened, <clears throat> I think, so. if it wasn't the vision of one person. Yeah, like it kind of has to be like, oh, you know, you can make, you know, you can do this in the script because you know how to how you're going to pull that. Yeah, because I mean, right? my guess would be even so. like people, you know, actors and actresses in this movie had no idea like what the movie was about, right? Well, you know that's true because it was filmed substantially. Prior to it being That's what it true. was, so it went, at the time it might have the intention might have actually been something different a little bit. I don't know. Um, it's hard to know because I guess maybe maybe this information information's out there, but I don't know what he would have done differently had it been a TV show. If it would have become as surreal as it became, or if it would have been something different, I don't know. But um, well, I mean, what we do know is that it got shot as a pilot first, and then the reshooting was fairly limited. So it, he did not go back and remake the whole film, okay. right? So so parts survive from the original shooting, uh, if I remember correctly, unless I'm wrong about that. He, he, I don't know. I think it said something like 18 pages of revisions or something like that, okay. so not that many no. or something like that. It's a pretty long movie, so 18 pages. Who knows, though, be, because you know, stuff like minutes. that, you know, you read the Wikipedia sure. or something, who knows if it's right. No, I right? I, I mean, yeah, <clears> I, would, <throat> I would now, now that I have, we have talked about it on the podcast, I would be very interested to go read up a bunch on this movie. Yeah. It's my favorite so far in our uh, Fractured Identity Month, for sure. Yeah, I guess I would say it's unlike, I, I, I think, like, 
so between it and Fight Club, because Vertigo is, forget it, not even worth watching in my opinion. Um, so Fight Club has a lot of really cleverness to it and the writing is very solid and good. But, you know, when when you get to Mulholland Drive, Fight Club, I think we both complained that it just didn't know how to add up to something, mm-hmm. you know? And Mulholland Drive is kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. It's like it's it adds up to tremendously more than oh, any individual part. I mean, I and think... it's like kind of you kind of has to take top spot because it just it pulls that off so well. I mean, as far as I can tell, neither of us has a compl- like we have no complaints about this movie. No, I really don't. I don't. Really, I, I think honestly. it's I don't either. I can't there's I can't find anything that I would complain about at all. <laughs> well, and I think it's worth noting that it's pretty unlikely that a movie like this is actually all that watchable. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, the scenes, the individual scenes of this movie are very watchable. They are. You know, yep. if you if you stop trying to interpret it and you stop trying to do anything, you just say, what are the scenes and are they fun? Are they interesting? Yeah. Are they scary? Whatever. They Whatever that scene was supposed to be. And the answer is almost always yes. It's like, oh, that was really cool. Like when he goes up to see the cowboy and yeah, the yeah. light kind of flickers that's, on so, yeah, this, and this he movie... comes out and he talks in the weird voice. Yeah. You're like, that's just fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Yeah, because you Even never... if you just forget the rest of it, it was fun to watch. You never know what's going to happen next. No, and I don't. think that that just keeps you excited and interested because you're yeah. like I have no idea where this is going Yeah, no idea what's going to happen and it's always weird and unexpected and satisfying Yeah. so yeah I mean no complaints yeah I don't think so either uh, I, I don't really think I have anything more to say because I mean I you know briefly mentioned the, I think the filmmaking itself is also fantastic the visuals the audio um, the editing like it's just it's really good like not just not just like it's fine, it's actually exceptional. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a very well made movie, mm-hmm. very very. Which well-made I think, movie. to be honest, I think the movie wouldn't work if it wasn't if it wasn't firing on all cylinders. Like if it wasn't probably true. If probably true because the whole point is that he's controlling your perception so intent like right, intensely yes. um, that if it wasn't hitting yeah. on all the marks, it would fail. That's a good point. And uh, because it's hitting on every single mark, it just it it's fantastic. Well. There you have That's it. That's rare for us, I think, to not have a single complaint. It's hard to complain about a movie like this because, really you know, that I think that's one of the really nice parts of if you can pull off an actual fine art movie. Yeah. Which is really hard to do because a lot of people claim they're doing it and they're totally not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, it's used as an excuse or a crutch. Like, the reason this thing sucks is because it's supposed to be art. It's like, yeah. no. yeah. But if you can actually pull it off, you get these fringe benefits, which is that once you cross a certain threshold into the viewer believing that you actually knew what you were doing, Mm -hmm. even mistakes may become unnoticeable because you don't know whether they were part of that or not, Mm -hmm. right? It cross, you know, the errant brushstroke on the fine art painting. Mm -hmm. You don't know if it was intentional or not because mm-hmm. it has crossed a threshold yes, yet. into everything being so uh, clearly like masterful mm-hmm. at some level mm-hmm. that the mistakes of the master you cannot perceive. You can't perceive them, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't know how to identify yeah. a mistake. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've gone far enough yeah. that it's not possible. I mean, to I do. think I've talked about this before. This sort of thing before with people like Kubrick 
where it's like, I trust the director. Like, when I trust the director 100%, then I, I don't see things as mistakes. I see them as intentional. I see them as even being something I maybe don't understand. I know, I think I've said that with Kubrick before, where, yeah, it's like, I 100% trust his choices. And I, I do with David Lynch, at least in this film, I, I uh, trust him completely. I would like to see some of his other stuff. Me too. Um, I haven't seen Blue Velvet like you have, and I would That's like on, to. That is in our you know brain, a mega thread brainstorming I thing. It it's on. Up. It's on one of the the lists. So I we'll, hope it we'll comes get it, up. We'll get it in there. Um, yeah. Because I also know that I, I remember watching an interview with David Foster Wallace, mm. who said you know he when he, I, I mean the way he described it in the interview was that like when he was trying to figure out like how to write like mm-hmm. what he wanted to write. And how he wanted to write that going and see he was like in, you know, school and his the people he was, you know, ostensibly taking writing classes from he thought were stupid. And uh, but he didn't really know why. Like he he I think he used the phrase, I thought they were wrong, but but for all the wrong reasons, like, you know, I didn't really know why they were wrong. I was right that they were wrong, but I didn't know why. He he didn't know why. Yeah. He described go like a pivotal moment for him was going to see blue velvet Mm. he said like that is where i that's how i understood like how surrealism works was i watched that movie and i was like oh i see right and so to me i was like oh wow that's really interesting um because i had only ever seen mulholland drive and the straight story uh i don't think i've i've never seen lost highway i've never seen blue velvet i've never even seen dune I've never seen his, uh, yeah, the, which he did not dude. like making, so it's probably not something he's proud of. But uh, I, I just haven't seen, yeah, you know, a well, lot we got, of the we stuff got he's it. done. We'll, we'll get we'll get more David Lynch movies in the movie yeah. club. I have seen What Did Jack Do, and I loved it. For those of you who have Netflix, I think it was on there. I think David Lynch is is just a absolutely brilliant filmmaker. I also think in this particular case, you know, it's it's almost like it's not found art, but it's like this may be a unreproducible scenario he did not set out to make this movie he set out to make a tv show mm-hmm. and the process by which that got interrupted certainly played a role in what would become the movie and so it was like it's a rare director given a rare problem to solve mm-hmm. and and coming up with something that's you know uh, equally rare just a very mm-hmm. rare movie mm-hmm. i think in this case. Yep. Well, I think that's all. That's it for me. All right. Well, that was Mulholland Drive. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the Movie Club. We'll be back next week for the last movie of our uh, Fractured Identity Month. It's going to be American Psycho. Which I have never seen. Same. So, uh, First, first, uh, I've seen all the other movies this in this month. I had seen them all before. Okay. At least once. Uh, but that's the first one. That will be a new one for me. We'll get bailed. And let yeah. it. You know what's interesting is uh with the exception of Vertigo, the other three movies in this month all came out like right around the exact same time, like around two thousand, I think. Really? I think so. I didn't know that. So it's it's uh very interesting and we'll see we'll see how American Psycho compares with the others. So uh yeah, we'll see you back here next week for American Psycho. Take it easy, everybody. Bye. <laughs>